Thank you for listening to the Reconnect Marriage Podcast. I'm Dr. Steve Call. And I'm Lisa Call. And we are dedicated to having conversations that cultivate connection in our marriage. Thank you for joining us. Hey, we're grateful that you've joined us in this uh, Reconnect Marriage Podcast. Lisa and I are going to share with you a two-part series, and this is the first part of our series. Uh, We've titled this Making Sense of Trauma. And, oh boy, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think we as a culture and as a community have wonderfully uh, embraced the ramifications, the impact, the the way in which trauma has revealed itself uh, in, in our body. And I think part of part of the work uh, of marriage sometimes is to help make sense of some of our emotional responses to one another that that often our emotional expression, our, our feeling, our emotion, whether that's offered to one another, whether that's an attempt to hide it, but something in our body, gets triggered, activated, remembered, felt, experienced, and it's often connected to trauma. And we thought we'd spend some time with you, uh, with one another, but also obviously with you, around our conversation of, of helping make sense of some of the things that we feel, some of the, the ways in which we uh, emotionally express or offer to one another that is connected directly to the trauma that we've experienced. For many of us, when we hear the trauma, the word trauma, we might uh, assume that we are talking about a major catastrophe or a major life event, uh, which also are forms of trauma, or some form of abuse or harm or violence, which of course are forms of trauma. And I think it's important for us to be on the same page with what do we mean? What do we actually mean by the word trauma? Well, trauma can be simply defined as uh, the, the sense or experience of being injured. Uh, and and many of us, again, we might want to minimize the trauma that we've experienced. Uh, maybe in very early on in our story, in our childhood, maybe in adolescence, early adulthood, wherever we are in the life stage, sometimes there's a temptation for many of us to dismiss uh, something that we've experienced, whether that's a one-time event or an ongoing event. Trauma, again, another way to define it is a, a loss, uh, a loss without consent. So a loss of space, a loss of boundary, uh, a loss of safety, a loss of privilege, loss of something that was taken without my consent. And I think that's a helpful way to frame for many of us. As you pause, we pause just for a moment. Where does trauma exist in my story? Uh, where, where are there moments, experiences, relationships, dynamics, where trauma was a part of my story, where trauma was part of my experience? Yeah, I think our in our culture right now we're we're really paying attention to that mm-hmm. more and more. I think we're seeing it more and more, and um, we're having maybe more understanding. There's more research. There's more discussion about you know how trauma does live in our bodies and how we do feel it, mm-hmm. and we may not be cognizant of it. We may not remember maybe some of the details of it, but it it resides in our body. Um, there's a, a book out right now, The Body Keeps a Score. It's been out for a while, but... Um, it's one we've referenced often. Very helpful resource. Yeah, just that that, the, that that trauma does dwell in our body in different forms, and we feel, you know, aches in our shoulder and our belly and our throat and our, you know, in different parts of our body and how um, how that trauma is in there, and it does come out in different ways. And, and so maybe just spending a few minutes trying to decipher like what's happening for me, what's Mm -hmm. happening for you and how is that 
um, becoming part of mm-hmm. maybe an ongoing issue that we're having, or mm-hmm. maybe an ongoing perception or um, conflict. And so we just have noticed, you know, that it's often very present. Mm-hmm. And um, being able to address that and being able to begin to make sense of that mm-hmm. is what we're hoping for. Yeah, this discussion. And on the one of our trips this this past year that we took, we were in a car ride, and we often enjoy going to the Oregon coast from where we live. And uh, one of the books that we listened to uh, was Oprah Winfrey's book. And right now I'm blanking on what happened to you. Yeah, what happened to you? Uh, she and uh, Dr. Bruce Perry. That's right, Bruce Perry. Good, thank you. Uh, you are such you have such a good memory. Um, uh, sometimes, sometimes uh, that that is a wonderful book, and I think. Uh, it, it's a helpful uh, both read and listen because one of the key pieces in how we try to integrate trauma, meaning how we allow capacity for it, how we uh, allow it to be part of our story or or be aware of its impact, it's one of the key factors was uh, the way in which I experience a particular traumatic event might be very different than Lisa in the way that she experienced a traumatic event. And it's all about capacity, meaning uh, our body's ability or capacity to be able to integrate our experience uh, and or sometimes the way we cope with what we've endured is we try to cut it off. We try to dismiss it. We try to ignore it. We try to somehow manage it. And so I think one of the, the, the helpful ways that we have conversations around trauma is, yes, the foundational place of being aware of where, where might trauma live uh, in my story and, and then also where might it live in my body. Well, what do we mean by that? What do you mean by where does it live in my body? What would you say to that? Well, I also just was thinking that I think it's easy for maybe some people to say, well, you know, I didn't experience something major. I didn't have a, a lot of trauma in my story. But I think I think what we're realizing more and more with the research that's been done and the studying is that pretty much everybody has experienced trauma in one way or another. Mm-hmm. You know, even... Um, we might have come from a really good family and our parents did their very best, you know, and all that they needed to do. But because of the nature of who we are and how we don't always, you know, we aren't always known, we don't even know ourselves. And so often even the act of just misattunement by a parent over time, you know, can traumatize us in a way and and it impacts us in a way. So I think we kind of wanted to say, you know, it's pretty safe to say that all of us have experienced trauma in one way or another, not to, not to minimize some of the, you know, more intense traumas that people have gone mm-hmm. through. But so if we're wondering, I don't know if this is for me, you know, I don't know if this is for us. We're saying, you know, there is, there, there are reasons, there are ways mm-hmm. that you've been impacted in your life um, as we have mm-hmm. that might feel small. They might feel minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we want to bring them to the surface because we all have things that have impacted the way that we, that have impacted the way we relate, the way that we're able to care for one another, the way that we're able to be present to each other, to present to ourselves. And so, um, yeah, we feel it in our bodies and I think that can resonate. You know, I, I, I get, you know, a pain in my shoulder or for me, I, I often feel it kind of in my gut. And I kind of, I know something's kind of something's off or something's wrong when I'm feeling it in my gut. And, um, and for me, I've been more and more paying attention to it and just mm-hmm. wondering, oh, well, I'm wondering what that's about and how right. can I, being, how can I pay more attention to what's being happening? Being curious about it. Being curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes trauma is referenced as, uh, in the form of capital T versus lowercase T, 
capital T for trauma, lowercase t for trauma. And and we want to say, yeah, yes, there can be a, a, a difference in the range, but to be aware that just because mine might be a what we call lowercase or not as impactful or maybe not as, uh, it wasn't necessarily in the form of overt violence or of overt abuse, et cetera, just because it's not that, I think sometimes that is part of how we try to minimize the impact, the way we cope. And it's not simply saying, oh yeah, we, we've all endured trauma and, and let's all be on the same page with the way in which it impacts our body. No, it impacts our body in different ways, but it does impact us. And I think, uh, here, here's an example. Uh, recently I was working with a couple and for many couples that maybe are in the midst of struggle or heartache or difficulty, it's not just about conflict. It's not just about communication. Uh, it's not just about what well, we have different parenting strategies or different views on finance. Like those are all common areas of conflict or difference. But but here's the undercurrent of trauma and the way it reveals itself is often unnamed and unnoticed. Uh, I was working with this couple recently and uh, she at times would, would have these intense angry outbursts uh, and she couldn't make sense of them. Uh, it was often in regards to maybe uh, he had agreed that he would check in during the day. Uh, maybe he was gone on a on a trip for three or four days, and there was an, a, a, a mutual agreement that he would check in, uh, just make a phone call or text or something like that, just to create a connection point that we've talked about. Those are examples of connection points. And uh, on this recent trip that he was on, uh, he failed to do so. Uh, he said, in his words, I forgot, or um, I, I was just too busy. And so when he arrived home, uh, she had this enraged response to him. And and this has happened multiple times for them. And part of the difficulty is that he, over time, has learned the way to protect him from the rage is he just withdraws. He doesn't engage. He stonewalls, which unfortunately only, I would say, fuels the anger that or the rage that she feels. It was 10 minutes into our first session and she was sharing, they were sharing this dynamic that they were experiencing. And I wondered just for a moment, I wondered just for a moment with her. I said, I, want, I wonder what some of the rage or some of the anger might be connected to. Meaning that our anger, our rage, our sadness, our disappointment, all kinds of emotions are connected to the trauma we've endured. So can we, can I, and can you, those of you, of you listening, can we be curious just for a moment to wonder how might this rage or this anger or the, the emotion that I'm experiencing be connected to any part of my trauma story, my trauma narrative? And I wondered about that with her. I said, I wonder if there's any, is there anything about your own story that's connected to you? And, and she shared briefly, just for a few minutes, around when she was young, she had to go live with a family member because her parents weren't able to caretaker anymore. They weren't able to take care of her. They weren't able to be the parents that she needed. And so we talked about that being a, a form of, for her, a relational abandonment. There was a loss. There was a loss to her body that what she thought was safe and secure was no longer safe and secure. And so when there's sometimes for her, when there was a loss of access, meaning she doesn't, she loses connection with the one that she thought was safe and secure, her husband, it fuels and reminds her body of what was familiar in her early part of her story. That's an example for many of us of what happens. Not that we have to have the same story as her, but that our, our emotional response to one another is often connected to that trauma story, to that trauma narrative. Yeah, so would you say when we have a response that sometimes we 
can't make sense of. When like, it doesn't, why are we yeah, responding sure. so intensely yeah. when it logically just feels like, well, hey, I was busy. Oh, okay. You know, why can't you just hear me on that? And why can't mm-hmm. you just, why can't we just let go of that? Why do we have this bigger response? So is that, is that maybe a time when I think that so. We're saying that we would pay attention to. Yeah. Maybe there's another narrative going on right. that's getting triggered or that's getting remembered, remembered, remembered in our body in because our body. we may not remember it in our right. mind at that moment. Right. Well, two two parts of what you just offered is so helpful is that sometimes we we are unable to remember without the other, whether that's our spouse, our partner, a therapist, a counselor, or a trusted friend. That sometimes we we need curiosity, we need invitation, we need pursuit to help not just make sense of what's happening, but to make sense of what's happening, meaning what, what's happening in my body. We can't make sense of this anger, this rage, this resentment, this 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 energy that we feel sometimes. And and I hope you can resonate with the word, the image of undercurrent. We're we're in the we're in the shallow water of the ocean, but there's an undertow. We can't see it, but we can feel it. And I think for many couples, that's often part of what what literally can sweep them under. As they're not aware of this undercurrent, this undertow that's trying not not to pull us under, but to simply remind us of its presence. Right. And not that we're just trying to make sense of it, but we're actually, actually, it's healing. Mm-hmm. When when there's presence and when we have a memory and, there, and we're present to it with another, right, there's healing in that. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's um, you know, I think sometimes we feel like, oh, what's the waste of digging into the past and bringing something else into it, you know? But I think there, we've experienced mm-hmm. real healing when we can locate maybe a trauma, maybe a feeling that we had, maybe something that's our body is trying to tell us. And mm-hmm. as we remember it, as we share it with one that's safe and connected and caring for us, and they can hear it in a way that's not judging or um, uh, holding it against us, mm-hmm. you know, that w- they can just be open to saying, wow, let, let's be present with that. Mm-hmm. And there can actually be healing. Which was true for this couple, you know, in our, as we continued in that conversation, he was able to be aware of, oh, that's, that's what your anger is about. Or, oh, that's what your rage is about. Because often our intense expression of emotion is connected to story and particularly the story of trauma. For her, the anger and rage was about the expression of, of, of the trauma that her body holds. Not simply that she was just angry. It is, it is anger. It is rage. It's also sadness. It's also sorrow. It's also disappointment. It's fear. also fear. Yeah. At a core part of her being is this fear that I will be left, that I will be abandoned, that I'm no longer important, that I'm that I no longer matter. And I think for many couples, that is the heart of the struggle. Is that very fear, which we are all we all carry that fear from birth till death. The fear of abandonment. The fear of being left. The fear of the other turning away. I mean, you and I have been talking about that recently. And parts of your own story and parts of my own story. You know, the other day, Lisa was, um, what, what would I say? I think um, you woke up. I don't up. know, what are you going to say? <laughs> well, I was, I, was, I was thinking about this, this can be a common theme for us around sometimes we might uh, have some, I would say some good connection, um, some good time together, and then you might wake up the next morning, which is true the other day, and you you said something about uh, wanting and needing to be with someone, meaning to see people, like you love to see people, and you wanted to schedule. the The clarity is is not so clear in this moment, but I'm what I want to say is, I didn't react well. You had expressed the desire to go spend some time with people, and my assumption was we were going to spend time together that morning, playing, literally playing, doing something fun. 
And here's where in that very brief moment, something gets triggered in my body. And we use that phrase often, but it, it's a remembering trigger to be triggered is a remember my body remembers something. And for me, it was often, that was part of my story was, I mean, I still, still have these vivid memories of, I would wake up and I would be thinking or, or longing for time with my family or particularly with my mother, my father. And, and it was rarely, if ever, was there a, was there an intentional, Hey, I wonder what we could do together. I wonder what you would like to do. Or, like this invitation to be together, there was often this distraction with others, distraction with hobbies, distraction with friends, rather than presence, rather than a turning towards. And it's not always a, a vivid memory. I think that's an important part of what can feel and be unaddressed. It's more of a felt sense. It's a felt sense. Like, what is that about? What? And I, I again, I think I got up, I stomped away, I just didn't engage, and you were able to come back and say what happened, which is another part of how we have worked toward repair, and then you were able, I think, to say how my turning away impacted you because that is part of your story with the ways in which you would lose access, particularly with your mother when you somehow felt like you got in trouble. Yeah. I mean, it's just still present almost every day. We can mm-hmm. probably name something that um, is coming up and something that's being triggered. And and I think, you know, when, when there isn't an exact memory or there isn't an exact situation that we're trying to remember and it's just that felt sense, mm-hmm. it's a little harder sometimes to access. And I, I think that's when we need each other to be more curious and um, maybe stay present to what's maybe underlying mm-hmm. this particular thing that we're going round and round about or this particular emotion that seems like it doesn't match what actually happened. And so being able to go, hey, you know, what's going on? What's, what's happening for you? And, and maybe taking some time to wonder together, you know, what, maybe what's part of your narrative Mm -hmm. that we, you know, that's getting triggered or that's, that we need to pay attention to here. Yeah. And I, I really think that going back to the core construct of fear is essential in making sense or understanding our body's reaction or making sense of the trauma response. Uh, because for the most part, trauma is always accompanied by the experience of fear. Meaning that what we thought was safe, what we thought was secure, what we thought was predictable, what we thought was consistent, somehow was disrupted. Mm. And those can be major life events and major uh, cultural events, whatever they might be. It's that something of predictability, consistency, what we thought was safe and secure is no longer. And that in and of itself sets our body into motion to, to hold fear, the vigilance around fear, hypervigilance sometimes, meaning that we try to live in a world where that doesn't occur again, or we try to play a part in it not happening again. So sometimes our distress, particularly like this example of the couple that I shared, is, is a way to somehow try to control what was uncontrollable in her story. And I think that's important part of your body, my body, we are born into this world with this innate core construct, this emotional feeling of fear. Fear is innate. It's meant to protect us. It's meant to somehow help us make sense, but also see danger, predict danger, be aware of danger, protect ourselves in the midst of danger. But in the midst of trauma, we weren't able to for whatever reason. And that is part of the difficulty for so many couples is how do we navigate fear well? when we're triggered, when the, when we're, our body's exposed to it, when we remember it. And for this particular uh, spouse, for him, this couple that I was talking about, it, it was simply, although not simple, 
it was about the validation of the fear. It was about the reassurance of, oh, of course, of course you got triggered, of course you're afraid. And often anger, rage is an expression of fear. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that, that that's what it's connected to. Mm-hmm. And then also that it's not just a one-time, oh, okay, we got that figured out, right. check that off, okay, right. we're done with that, she won't be angry anymore, or whatever. I think we tend to simplify the depth that mm-hmm. we feel, these feelings. And so I think being patient with with each other, um, but but being able to be aware, and that can give us both a commonality, mm-hmm. you know, that it's not just you're angry at me, I'm angry at you, I'm frustrated right. or whatever, but it's, we're aware that there are other things at play. Mm-hmm. And um, and there are things happening in our body that get triggered and to be patient with each other and mm-hmm. to maybe have curiosity um, and that it's something that's probably going to be ongoing for a yeah. while until we really feel that we're understood or we mm-hmm. really feel that... Um, you know, we've given it time to, I don't know, to settle in and, and feel healed and mm-hmm. feel feel known. What would you say for you is mm, part of where trauma is revealed or where, where your body remembers, particularly in our dynamic? What would you say? What does that look like? Well, I, I mean, I think what you mentioned, you know, I think we're, we're wired so differently. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could say as simply as extrovert, introvert, you know, and mm-hmm. and then I think what's hard is when our triggers trigger each other. And I know we've talked about this before, but um, when I have a need, just because I'm wired as an extrovert to have community and to be um, involved in people's lives and, you know, have that. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then when it gets triggered in you, and maybe you're more like, needing that familial, familial, you know, connection and and being together. Um, And then it almost feels that what I'm feeling gets undermined or why should you need that? Ignored maybe. Yeah. Or it's just kind of a panic because it's like, I don't want to miss you, but then I also have this need. And so I think that's Hmm. probably pretty common for couples where they have like a two needs that are almost mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. And then, and then it feels you kind of get a panic, like, well, what you, am I going to do? You then? get a panic. I, I get a panic sometimes, like, well, how am I going to feel okay if this is kind of what I need, but then mm-hmm. I don't want to be. But how would you say that's connected to story for you? I, I, I think I've always had a sense of um, wanting to feel connected, mm-hmm. wanting to um, be part of something. Mm-hmm. Because of the loneliness that you felt from maybe the very beginning. I mean, maybe. And I think also I'm just wired that way. But also, yeah, I probably noticed it in, in ways where maybe I didn't have what I need. I felt um, like I wanted to be more connected. I was very shy and very, um, it was, I don't know if it's withdrawn, but you know, I had a hard time reaching out and connecting. And I, I, I don't know how that's all related with my family, but... Um, I think it made me feel like I couldn't quite get my needs met because I I was a little afraid to reach out or mm-hmm. so that has developed over time and mm-hmm. um, but also there was a messaging maybe which for many of us it can be a little bit more subtle the messaging around need the messaging around your loneliness that you felt particularly from your mother like there was judgment maybe toward it or somehow a minimizing of it which which is again, something is taken without our consent, and it's the reality of our experience. That sometimes is what trauma is connected to, 
what we felt, experienced, noticed, uh, somehow was taken, meaning it was mocked, it was teased, it was minimized, it was said, oh, really, are you kidding me? What's wrong with you? You're fine. Even that over a period of time, whether short or long, doesn't really matter, but it's something taken without our consent. And that is your experience, your felt need of the desire to be connected, the desire to be turned toward. So that when I turn away or I don't engage, that is part of what triggers you, but also re-traumatizes you. Mm -hmm. And that's a strong phrase, but I think it's a helpful phrase for couples to be aware. That it's not that I'm intentionally traumatizing, but that's the impact. Your body remembers the trauma. Right. Yeah. It's it's like as simple as, but also as complex as, like misattunement, right? Where... I'm not getting you or our parents didn't quite get who we mm-hmm. were and what we needed. Mm-hmm. And so we carried that with us, mm-hmm. you know, looking for ways to get what we need. And, and then in those moments between us, you know, as, as a married couple, we can trigger each other in those areas. And mm-hmm. so I can feel, um, yeah, when you, maybe when you turn away or you're frustrated that I feel that whole, maybe abandonment again, like, mm-hmm. Oh, I really need the connection. And right. So it can be so simple. It can. And, and yet profound. Yes. And, and and complex. I like how you said that. Like it's simple and it's complex at the same time. And I, a couple of things as we come to a close. One is the, the, the awareness of that, the remembering of that, that, that we are all hardwired to experience a, sem- a sense of safety, meaning the desire for safety is innate. The desire to be protected is, is innate. And as we enter into adulthood and as we're into this partnership marriage piece, that sometimes the loss or the sense of loss of access or attunement or connection can trigger something in, in our experience, in our body that sometimes we're aware of and sometimes we're not. And, and our, our hope in this conversation for those of you listening is, is where, where, where does trauma live in my story? And sometimes where is it intersecting in the present? That part of the, the past is always part of the present. It just lies dormant. We might not be aware of it, but it has this this undercurrent, this undertow that can knock us over if we're unwilling to just pause in those moments and be aware of where, where does it live within me and where does it live within us? Where does it show itself up? And I think that's a, a wonderfully potentially redemptive part of what marriage can be. It's that when, when I hear of Lisa's pain, sorrow, suffering, loss, when you hear it of mine, when this... Mm-hmm. Uh, gentleman heard from his wife, like there's a way to respond that actually validates, that soothes, that creates a sense of safety in the moment. And I think that's what we long for because fear says, fear says it will happen again. When we've endured something of difficulty, heartache, struggle, it only takes one time for that fear to now be felt and lives within us as a way to protect us mm-hmm. from it happening again. Yeah. I, I don't think we have to have all the answers. No. I don't think we have to have the perfect response. We don't have to even understand, mm-hmm. you know, how the other's feeling, but it's just more of a, a willingness to sit mm-hmm. in the presence, you know, and to say, wow, really, you know, I believe you, you know, and I, I'm listening and I'm here and we don't always know what to say, but to be present to it. And I think that's so much of the power is just that presence. The Reconnect Marriage Podcast is hosted by the Reconnect Institute. For more information, you can find us on the web at thereconnectinstitute.com. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at Reconnect Marriage. <laughs>